Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. I will be bringing today a message I have titled Divine Purpose for Change. This topic is based on the background of God's desire to bring positive change to mankind as a species. Now there's an old saying that says that change is a constant thing. Everything changes all around us. We can see a continuous change going on constantly in a forward trajectory, no backwards motion, forward only. Our bodies are changing. If you have old pictures and you take a good look at those pictures, you will see that the people in those pictures are not quite exactly as we are. If you're sensitive, you will see that their countenance is not quite as bright as our countenance. Our minds are developing. The mind of the average man today works on a higher level than the mind of someone a hundred years ago. Our circumstances are changing. The environment in which we live in, the technology that we enjoy personally and in our communities is much higher than people of the past could have ever imagined. Even babies born today are born with their eyes open. But my mother told me one time that when we were born, we were all born with our eyes shut. And our eyes didn't open until after at least one week. But today, I have children. None of my children were born with their eyes closed. Man is changing. Man is developing. Someone once said that the illusion of an unchanging planet is painted by the shortness of our lives. And so even the planet on which we are standing is changing. The change is so slow that you will not notice it in your lifetime. But if you live long enough, you will have the opportunity to see these changes. Most people may not know this, but the Hawaiian Islands were not always there. There's a place under the sea where lava continues to flow and form those islands. As a matter of fact, more islands are being formed as we speak. Places that were underwater are now dry land. And some places that used to be dry land are now underwater. The Sahara Desert used to be underwater. Researchers have known this because they found fossils of fish and sea creatures in those sands, which proved that it was underwater at some point in time. But the question now remains, what is the purpose of this change? Where is this change going? Is this change change for the purpose of change? Or is this change going somewhere? Now the book of Romans 8.19 reads for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now this scripture paints a picture of an expected manifestation, a dramatic change that is to come. But in Genesis, 
126 it already says that God made man in his own image yet in this scripture that we have just read we are told that there is a change to come that means that let us make man in our own image is still an ongoing project if it were not an ongoing project then man will be just as he has always been but we all know and it is clear that man is developing now God is a spirit so he lives in eternity there is no time in eternity one has to be careful when dealing with God on the issues of time because he does not live in time whatever he says he says from eternity and those things he says are loaded with the paradigm of eternity which would be difficult for a man who lives in time to understand and so when God says let us make man in our own image it could be that he's talking of something that will happen for millions of years the facts on the ground plus the scriptures we have read suggest that the molding of man into a god is the divine goal it says that all creation which was referred to in that scripture as the creature is looking forward to that manifestation not some men but the entire species which means that these changes and refinements will continue until man becomes what God intended from the beginning. And the old type of man will now become distinct from the new type of man. Now how did I reach this conclusion? Take a look around. Take a look at man. Look at how we are developing in every area see what we have been able to build already and planning to build in the near future now if any one of the authors of the many books of the bible had seen the world as it is now do you think they will not say it is heaven or at least another planet humanity has changed in ways that even we who live in these times may not even know therefore there is definitely a coming change a metamorphosis happening with its end being a glorious man in the image of god even the incarnation of the christ and his substitutionary sacrifice is all working together towards this goal to fast track humanity into the purpose of god now let us look at this matter a little deeper by looking at the world history how countries invade other countries, take over their affairs, but in the end, bring development. It appears that God uses countries to develop other countries and to push for this change. In history, the people with the superior thinking, superior strategy, superior technology always win the wars. Not necessarily the most religious ones. Why do you think God lets this happen? It's still in pursuit of that primary goal, which is the development of man. Look at how the Europeans went to America and took over the land and killed the Native Americans who resisted. 
Look at how they came to Africa and did the same thing. But in the end, they brought technology, education, order, and regardless of what anyone says, it ended up being for our own benefit. Even the British and the rest of Europe used to be barbarians. They had small villages and little kings fighting each other. It was the Romans who did to them the same things they did to us. They were invaded, subdued, and exploited. But in the end, the Romans brought their technology. The Romans built homes and influenced their way of life. Because the Romans were developed beyond them. So God causes more developed people to colonize less developed people for the purpose of bringing change and development to fulfill that divine purpose in Genesis 1.26. Let us now consider some biblical examples. There was a man called Nebuchadnezzar. God gave Nebuchadnezzar the entire world to rule. He made him rule over even his own people. Why did God do that? We have always thought that it was merely a matter of punishing his people for their neglect of the law, but it goes way beyond that. Nebuchadnezzar was the first man who desired to bring the whole world under one umbrella. He did not attack nations because he hated them. It was just because he wanted to build an empire. It only got violent when the nation refuses his offer. But if the people were wise and understood the sign of the times, nobody died. Their kings retained the throne, but they came under the authority of that empire and paid taxes. This is the business of building an empire. Now before Nebuchadnezzar, the world was made up of little city-states who went to war regularly out of hatred and the desire for spoils. This happened very often so there was a lot of senseless violence. People died in their numbers for no reason at all. But once the empire came to power, the fighting reduced. Because the kings were now under one umbrella and they could settle their differences within that umbrella. The Babylonians also had order and administrative abilities and they were incredible builders of infrastructure. One of the wonders of the world of ancient times was in Babylon and it was called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It was said to be a high structure with extensive gardens on every level from top to bottom and a total marvel to behold. It was built by Nebuchadnezzar II in 600 BC. Not to talk of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar built of himself, which was referred to in the Bible. It was said to be over 100 feet tall. The Babylonians were educated people. Israelites like Daniel and Ezra were educated there and brought the benefit of that education back to their home country. The Babylonians changed the world and introduced the idea of an empire to bring order to a world filled with chaos. Today, we now have countries, continents, we have alliances like NATO and ASEAN, but it all started with one man, 
Nebuchadnezzar. God can only be understood by the results of his acts. It's very difficult to make sense of his words because he speaks out of eternity. So when God speaks, his words reflect that paradigm which is hard for creatures of time to fully understand. So we know God by studying his actions. Now there's another person in scripture called Herod the Great. Herod the Great was an Israelite who was king at Jerusalem around the time Christ was born. He was not a nice man at all. In fact, one could say he was a very bad man. This was the man who ordered the killing of babies while he was trying to get rid of Christ because he did not want to leave the throne for another. However, Herod the Great was a great builder, which is why he was nicknamed the Great. By the way, Herod the Great is not the fellow who married Herodias. That was his son. And that one was an idiot. Christ called him a fox. Herod the Great built the most glorious building in the world at that time, which was the Temple of Jerusalem. It took him 38 years to build. There was no building like it in the world at that time. It attracted visitors from all over the world. Herod the Great paved the roads leading to Jerusalem with interlocking stones. This was not something that was common in those days. Herod the Great built a modern city a few miles from Jerusalem and named it Caesarea. He named it after Caesar for political favor, but the city was the most modern city in the world at that time. It was the Dubai of their time. He built what they called an aqueduct, which was a water system, first of its kind. The city was a wonder. It attracted people from Rome and from all over the place to come and enjoy a holiday in the place. In short, Herod made Israel and Jerusalem in particular a tourist attraction. So people came in every day in their thousands. But guess what? Herod finished all these things a few years before Christ started his ministry and died. What was the result? People came from all over the world and they were present during the time of the ministry of Christ and witnessed his crucifixion. They also witnessed the revolution that erupted by his followers after his resurrection. They were also witnesses on the day of Pentecost and the preaching of the disciples. That's why no one today can ever dispute the things that happened in those days. Books of history contain the crucifixion of the man called Jesus of Nazareth. The gospel spread very quickly around the world because of what Herod the Great built. It then goes to reason that God raised Herod the Great to build those things to help spread Christianity around the world. Though Herod himself was a bad man. What I'm trying to say here is that the primary goal of heaven is the development of humanity. And God will use anyone who has the capability to contribute to this effort despite their character. 
the development of the human species is the primary purpose of God. So it takes priority over religious matters and personal lifestyle. The spiritual personalities in charge of those things are beyond the ones who are concerned with religion and moral issues. This cannot happen by prayer or fasting. If we want to be relevant in these matters, we have to be up and doing in adding to our own abilities to have something to offer. God will not give you political power because you can pray. If that were so, I believe I know men who should have been president long ago. Those levels are beyond religious levels. We have witnessed these things over and over in my country, Nigeria. Yet, my brothers in Christ still fail to understand it. A democratic system is run by elections, so God is not going to get involved in systems which we have created ourselves. The Bible says that the heavens are the laws, but the earth God has given to the children of men. So if we lay our beds, we will lie on it. But if God has to get involved, then you will have to bring something that will move mankind forward, not just your village or your country. Let me speak a little on something that has been spoken of in recent times in my country, Nigeria. It's a historic example, and that is the takeover of Islam of the nation of Turkey by the Ottoman Empire in 1452. People are speaking about that now because of the activities of jihadists in our country, fearing that history may repeat itself. But here are the facts. Did you know that the first university ever built was built in Egypt in the year 940 AD? It was called the Center for Islamic Studies, but is now called Al-Azhar University. Now this was almost a thousand years before all the universities in Europe. Islam in those days took education very seriously. They cared about the mental development of mankind. They encouraged reading by building a very large library in Egypt. They bought books from the Far East at very high cost and brought them in from all over the world. The library was open to all who wanted knowledge, so they excelled in education, science, and technology. That's why today many words in mathematics and chemistry like algorithm, algebra, alchemy are all from Arabic words. But on the other side, Christendom was discouraging reading and education. The library at the Vatican is several stories underground, more secure than a bank. No one is allowed unless authorized priests. So darkness increased in the church while light increased with the Muslims in those days. They therefore gained advantage beyond their Christian counterparts and they took Turkey. This is also why I know the present jihadists will not achieve anything. They abandoned the education, science and technology thinking that they can achieve it with violence. But it will not work. Because God will not support them like he did their forefathers who conquered the world. They have nothing to offer that will move man forward. Let's not believe that God will support us just because we are Christians. 
history is there to let us know that it is not so. We need to be up and doing in education, science, technology, research, development. If we neglect these things, God will give us over to people who are ready. I know prayer is good and righteousness and holiness, but believe it or not, those things are not the priority of heaven. The development of man is what heaven is looking for the most. Our work here should be thy kingdom come, not walking to go to heaven. We are supposed to bring the atmosphere of heaven down here, the development of heaven, the beauty of heaven, even the technology of heaven. People don't know that there is technology in heaven. Every single piece of technology we are presently enjoying on earth came from heaven through vessels chosen to manifest them. It is not demons. Demons are incapable of any technology. So please stop believing that technology is evil or from hell. All the demons in hell put together cannot come with one technology. The substitutionary sacrifice of Christ was meant to settle the issue of heaven so that we can concentrate on thy kingdom come. But we are stuck in that mindset, looking to go to a place that we are already sitting in. According to Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, it says, Even when we were dead in sins, he had quickened us together with Christ and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Our goal cannot be to go to a place we are already seated in. Let's move on and push development. Let's stop being the ones to use the technology that others design, clothes that they design, live in environments that they plan, exist in systems that they put in place, yet praying that God should give us political power. To do what? To go to heaven? Rather than be the ones standing against technology and change, let's be the ones pushing for it. Stop standing against progress. Stop standing against development. I heard that when streetlights were to be introduced in London in the 18th century, it was the evangelicals that stood against it, saying that it wasn't the will of God, claiming that when God made the earth, he separated the night from the day. Therefore, lighting the night will get God angry. That is what our brothers in the 18th century said. Today, we have streetlights everywhere. Don't stand against any technology just because you are afraid of it. Don't stand against 5G. Don't stand against autonomous vehicles. You will not succeed. History has proven that any people who stood against any technology or progress always failed. No matter the prayer you pray, you can never stop these things. The scope of God is far wider and higher than we think. The spiritual personalities responsible for these things, which is the development of the human race, are far higher than angels who attend to our needs. Because it's the primary purpose of God. And those angels have no emotion. Anyone who stands in the way of their work will be annihilated, be you anybody. Let me end this by saying, progress and development is like a moving train. You have three options whenever you encounter it. First option is to get on the train and move with it. 
Second option is to allow it pass, but it will leave you behind. And the third option is to get crushed when you try to stop it. All those who stood against it in the past always died. The Native Americans were massacred. The Africans who tried to resist it were killed. Those who brought it may have had greed and money in mind when they came, but God had progress and development in mind. When God took Israel to Egypt and kept them there for 400 years, they never knew that an Egypt-educated Moses would come out of it. They never knew that gold and silver and precious stones beyond their imagination will come out of it. They went in as smelling headsmen because the Egyptians saw them as an abomination when they came in Genesis 46. But they came out a wealthy nation. I hope that this message will reach those who will run with it. And may God enlighten our darkness even as we listen. In Jesus' name, thank you for listening. You were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support, and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.